welcome everybody. My name is Pav Bryan. I'm Performance Director and Co-Founder here at Spokes and you are listening to Bespoke, the cycling and triathlon training podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by uh, a, a new guest that we've never had on before and uh, someone who I hope will be coming back very regularly because I love the sound of his voice. Uh, we've got one of our Spokes expert coaches, Mr. Paul Skelton. And uh, how are we doing, Paul? Hey, Pav. Um, great to be aboard and, uh, yeah, looking forward to this conversation. It is one close to my heart and, uh, yeah, keen to get, get into it and, and, and share um, some of this uh, interesting uh, subject of, of, of recovery. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. And uh, as you rightly say, and listeners, as you've probably figured out because it says it in the title, uh, this is part of our uh, three-part series all about recovery. And uh, today we're going to be talking about sleep and relaxation. And uh, yet when I posted this to our Spokes Coaching uh, WhatsApp group, Paul was very, very quick to get in there and uh, and said it was one of the things that he really drives home with his clients. So I'm very interested uh, to hear what you have to say today, Paul. And uh, hopefully I'll learn something too, because I uh, I love it. And that's the reason why I, I really love having us uh, a 20-strong group of uh, coaches and nutritionists and experts that we have at Spokes, because uh, very often uh, I, I learn something new. So listeners, hopefully uh, you're going to get a deeper understanding of exactly how this can improve your recovery. Uh, and uh, obviously check back for our other two parts. Uh, one part is nutrition and the other part is uh, massage and, and compression. So um, two parts here, Paul, really like the sleep and relaxation are, are very, I mean, sleep exceptionally, something that you can't avoid uh, and nutrition obviously can't avoid, but you can get both of them very wrong, can't you? Absolutely. Um, I'll give you a little bit of history for myself where, where I come from and why I see sleep as being and, and recovery has been prime importance. Uh, yeah, experience. Yeah, my, 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 I've been involved in endurance in school days, uh, probably more in triathlon over the last 20 years, and but also moving into the cycling and ultra world. So very much focused on the longer uh, sides of the sport. Um, but I also interestingly consult into business um, and setting up high performance teams. And it's it's. Uh, interesting, the parallels. Um, and I coach um, really out of a uh, for a priority framework for both. Um, and I'll go through those quickly if you don't mind, uh, Pat, if that's okay. The number one priority um, is sleep. Uh, sleep is the foundation of, um, of what we do. Whatever we do during the day, we have to get our sleep to be able to recover from that and actually process anything we've done to be able to compensate and actually get stronger. Without sleep, our relationships get very short and, and can get fractured. Uh, we become highly reactive during the day to things around us rather than being responsive. Uh, now decision-making uh, falls down. Um, also, without sleep, we do not return, get the investment out of the training we do. We do not get the, uh, get a great return on investment and the studying we do and the, and the uptake of data and knowledge, we, we, we don't really turn that into wisdom. wisdom. Um, so when I'm coaching business and the set up high performance teams, but also when I'm you know, introduced to new people to coach, that, that the one I drive home is, is those priorities. You've got to get them in order. And sleep is the top of the list always. Next is relationships. You know, success is very, very thin if we've got nobody to share us with. I share it with. Uh, if we're sitting on a beach, uh, sitting with Peter Coladas, um, by ourselves, 
it'll be fun for about a day. If you're not sharing with somebody, it's pretty, pretty, pretty useless. Um, if we, yeah, are successful in business, whatever we do, or are successful in a race, if we're not sharing it with other people, and there's no relationships around it. It's pretty, pretty shallow, um, and it doesn't go far. Uh, relationships with ourselves as well as, as yeah, we've got to know what we want, where we're going, our goals, and we've got to look after ourselves moving forward. It's really important that our relationship with ourselves is strong. And we're actually doing things for us and not how we look to others. Really important. That's number two. Number three is adventure, experience, and fulfillment. Um, and I'll, this will go back into recovery. Trust me. Number three, we've got to be getting experience. We've got to be getting adventure. We've got to get fulfillment from what we do in life. Um, and we make that number three. And number four is work. Work is kind of a means to an end. Um, as I said, uh, we need an income. We need to pay the mortgage. When we start combining them, the magic happens. And we, when we get a fulfillment of the adventure and experience out of work, magic happens. When we have adventures and experiences with other people, magic happens. But underneath all of this, is that whole stress sleep relationship that uh, that moves us forward and yeah without sleep everything else below it falls apart we don't get stronger we don't grow without sufficient sleep um and that's who i coach from in business um and 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 um and in athletes um it's always comes back to the conversation where people are getting not not recovering not moving forward, not growing, it comes back to the same conversation. But recovery is, 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 is where we get stronger. Training uh, adventures where we actually create stresses um, uh, in our lives. We actually uh, get on the back foot uh, and our sleep and our recovery makes us stronger. That's when, when we super compensate and get stronger and move forward and grow. Absolutely. Now, Let's talk about sleep then. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, let's 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 boil this down. I mean, what, what I want to try and do is give the listeners something that they uh, obviously some actionable tips um, and maybe a challenge at the end because we love to challenge our listeners. But uh, um, let's think maybe outside the box. Are we talking about sleep here? Is this just uh, nighttime or can we get naps in? What's your what's your thoughts on that? Um, definitely naps, but it really depends on on the volumes we're actually doing and what we need. So when I'm looking at a framework and setting up a program for a person, the first thing we establish is what, the, what are the recovery windows. We don't say, okay, this is the event, um, but this is for an age group, of course. This is the event. We need to ram in 30 hours of training a week to achieve that result. Because we're living in a lifestyle with work commitments, family commitments, etc., so what we do first is what are our recovery windows? What does our lifestyle look like? How much sleep can you get? Uh, and what are your recovery windows during the day? How much stress are you carrying at work? We establish that baseline first and potentially how flexible that is. And then we start building a program of exercise on top of that because you can only absorb the training for the amount of recovery you can actually get, get it, um, uh, back that up with. If you start training 30 hours an hour and you're only getting like six hours sleep a night, it's not going to work. Um, you'd better if you're getting six hours sleep and maybe a couple of longer sleeps during the week, it's better going for even an eight. And you probably get more and higher performance out of the eight hours than you would the, you know, the, the 20 hour program. 
sleep is, is, is the one fixed piece that you actually need to understand and actually get in rather than the amount of training and then cram in how, many, how much sleep you can actually get in around your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, completely agree there. Now, just before I, I ask my next question, I, I, I'd like to reiterate your point there. Uh, I, I've worked with and know a lot of professional cyclists who have now retired and have gone on to do uh, to do jobs that are, are 30, 40 hours a week and, uh, and, and that they say that the hardest training they've ever done is the sort of 10 hours that they do around their full-time job uh, than their 30 hours they were doing as a pro simply because they haven't got that time uh, or they have less time to to sleep and relax and uh, and I think that what you you summarize exactly what we do at spokes up there really well is that there really is so much more to performance uh, and especially coaching and building a program for 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 athletes than than simply looking at the training there is so much so much more that you have to take into account and uh, obviously that's why we value you so you you kind of my my next question is and you you touched on it a little bit there is there an optimum amount of hours per night or per day per 24 hours or whatever you want to say that we should be aiming to sleep my guideline for most age group of people with a day job is is probably around about 7.5 hours that's my baseline um, if people want to up the hours in terms of training, we need to increase that, um, even to a point that can you actually get a daily nap if they really, you know, they want to, yeah, they want to get podiums, um, they want to up the hours. You, you actually almost need that day daytime sleep to actually top things up. But 7.5 hours is my baseline. I get really worried when people start playing, yeah, six or below. Uh, I'd be saying that's a non-healthy state and probably only sufficient to do just the standard uh, training. And even then, it's not optimal. 7.5 hours would be our baseline. Um, some people can get away with seven, some, uh, but generally they're going to be playing catch-up somewhere during the week. Absolutely. And uh, do, you, do you ask your athletes uh, to, to track their sleep or is it all sort of subjective? Uh, for most, I'm subjective. Some, I, I, I get them to track for periods of time. So they can like really understand themselves how little they're getting if it's a concern. Um, similar to what we do with nutrition. I don't think it's healthy to really measure everything we eat and calories and calorie count. But it's always good to spend periods of time actually tracking it just so you can get a, a build some intuition and some understanding around it. So I always recommend if you've, if you've got the tools – Okay, um, or a ring or metrics, you get a check in every now and again and find out how much you're really getting. If you really want to get to the advanced states, you can. You know, there's technologies that, that will actually show you quality of sleep as well. But I only really do that if there's a real concern around it. Um, some people really do battle with sleep, and we have to work at that, uh, managing stress and get preparing for sleep. And in those cases, yes, we do monitor it. We do want to monitor it. But for the vast majority of people, no, we don't. But um, there's a couple of little tricks that I introduce to just get an understanding, are we sleeping okay or not? Fantastic. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with you there. I think that uh, um, you have to be a special kind of person to be able to calorie count and track that for a long period of time. And it does introduce uh, with certain groups of people um, a a dependency or a sort of obsessiveness on that. And I think that can lead to some quite unhealthy um, uh, traits, especially with like mental health and uh, eating disorders. 
Um, and uh, and so what we're talking about, maybe two to four weeks of tracking and just to, to see how your sleep is? Yes, absolutely. And I wouldn't okay. be doing more than two weeks. I, I generally go about two weeks. Otherwise, it starts becoming a, um, again, it's metric uh, that yeah, you can get obsessive. Um, Absolutely. You know, the other thing is to actually look at things like HRV um, to see how much you're recovering um, as well. That's a, that's another way of doing it. So rather than just focusing on sleep, you can your overall re- recovery and and state can be can be monitored through HRV. Again, not everybody. Some people um, it, it's, it's relevant to. Some people it's probably more a hindrance and a stress more than anything else. Absolutely. So some actionable tips here. Number one is. Um, uh, for for our listeners is to uh, to go away and actually maybe spend two weeks being very mindful and uh, and and recording some data around sleep um, just to just to get you started and actually that might yeah. that might uh, really uh, open up uh, a lot of people's eyes to just how it maybe not little but actually probably quality and I, I, that's what I want to talk about now is that obviously you could have someone that does sleep your seven and a half or eight hours uh, a night but if it's if it's terrible quality and i'm i'm one for that i will i will aim to get maybe nine hours if i'm lucky eight eight hours is good for me nine hours if i'm really lucky depending on how tired i am but i am a very light sleeper um, and often i am awoken during the night quite a few times so i presume that we're actually looking for quality rather than duration uh, absolutely, and, and quality and quantity they do combine. It's the same as training, you know, intensity and duration combine. Um, your sleep is the, is, is the same. The funny thing about sleep is we can't bank it. All right, so uh, you can't say, okay, I'm going to sleep for 10 hours for a few nights to get ahead of the game, and then I can have it a couple of four hours. It doesn't work that way. You can overdraw, though, and that's the problem. And a lot of people overdraw and have to play catch up. To, to, to restore, to, to, to put it back at the bank, but we can't get ahead of it. Um, so the one thing that in terms of quality of sleep is um, setting yourself up for a good sleep. And to me, it's more in mind states than, 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 than anything else. Uh, being prepared. Um, one thing I recommend for people who battle to sleep is to look at the start of your next 24 hours being when you go to bed rather than the morning. So what I do, tend, tend to do is when I, before I go to bed, I, I, I try to wind down, get rid of the blue screen, the, 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 um, the high-intensity TV shows and, and things like that, and just have at least you know, half an hour to, to wind down. Um, think about gratitude, what you're grateful for, just calming the nerves, and try to get, when you go to sleep, thinking about who you want to be the next day rather than what you need to accomplish or what you miss the current day and all the stresses of life. Because what you go to sleep with is what you will process. So if you calm um, and you're thinking about who you want to be, that's what will process through, probably process through your mind while you're sleeping. And you'll get a deeper sleep because you're actually thinking positively about growth. You'll sleep a lot deeper. you probably get a lot more recovery coming through from, your, from the physical side as well. If we go to sleep, Still in the flight or fight response, a lot of cortisol in the body, so we we're still fighting the the terrors of the day, um, the, the company politics, or uh, and we still got cortisol running running around. Our body's going to focus on that. It's going to f- focus on survival. 
and that means it's not going to process, do, do the right things in terms of growth. You're probably not going to get good recovery on the muscles because the mind will be focused on solving a problem, a bigger problem in terms of survival state. So really focusing on getting to bed in the right frame of mind to ensure you get the quality of sleep, thinking about growth and moving forward, um, about how, who you want to be the next day rather than what you need to survive the next day is really important from a physical and mental perspective. It's all about growth at the end of the day. Fantastic. I love that. There's some actually really good tips there and uh, some things there that I really, uh, really uh, agree with you on there. I've got to, I'll be perfectly honest though, Paul, I am a nightmare for uh, getting rid of my phone um, before bed. I do take my phone to bed with me and I think that um, obviously stems from being a business owner and a coach and uh, having to be quite accessible for our clients but also given that uh, now I live on uh, I live uh, in California and the majority of my clients not all but the majority are in, in Europe so uh, I kind of try to make sure that I'm available uh, that uh, before I go to bed for anybody that's just waking up in the morning and has a question so um, I, I think that I'm going to try that you, you said 30 minutes before bed no screens was that right no screens correct perfect um, try that's that. where if you want to read um kindle you know the white paper um type kindle or a good old paperback or or, or paper is good um but yeah try to get rid of the blue light it's just yeah it's just yeah we, we need it it's, it's the modern age but it doesn't have to follow us to bed absolutely and i love the gratitude thing we say maybe meditate as well is, is that a good time before bed to meditate on that absolutely because what we're doing when we meditate or getting you know as you said a mindfulness session is, is really focusing on clear, one clearing the mind and getting back to a state of who we want to be rather than that survival state of what we need to do um or, or get done or get out of the way stop focusing on finance and and politics and overdrive and think through how we're going to respond to people that challenge us the next day rather than how we're going to react to them or defend ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, that puts us in the positive mindset and, we pro- and we'll process that during the night if we think in that direction. Absolutely. I love this. It's, 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 it's funny actually because it, none of these are uh, uh, difficult to do, are they? They're, uh, I, I think to the, to the one of the other uh, recovery uh, episodes we recorded was uh, was obviously massage and compression and a couple of the outside the box uh, uh, things that we talked about with MyoMaster were there their bits of kit that uh, uh, actually um, w- will help sort of stimulate muscle growth and like fresh blood to the to the muscles and everything like that and it really will make a massive difference but but on on the bottom line is that a massage can cost between sort of 50 to 100 pounds a massage gun can cost three times that and I mean compression um, sort of the air compression can be sort of like five six hundred pounds if not more this stuff's just free it's literally free um and uh, and anyone could do it but i wonder how much hesitation and how much uh, uh pushback there is from people listening to this right now and actually kind of like oh i couldn't do that or i don't want to do that what do you think there will be and a lot of people will be thinking oh i can ask him about six hours it's all cool uh but you don't know until you actually start it at 77.5 how better yeah what how your performance lifts uh, both physically and mentally unless you try it um, and that's the challenge I'll, I'll probably give people. Absolutely. If you think well, you leave- can get six hours, try, try 7.5 for, uh, for a while and see what happens. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll leave the challenge uh, for a little bit. We've got a few of it to talk about. Um, but uh, let's talk about, I mean, famous, there's been quite a lot of famous people like Tim Ferriss and his four-hour work week. And uh, I mean, Barack Obama was another one. They all they all swore by being able to get away with sort of four hours sleep uh, a night. I mean, what's that about? Do we, do we think that that's just a short-term thing? Have they actually adapted to doing that? Or are they just simply not not operating at their peak yet their second level if we call it that is actually still considerably high um yeah yeah barack obama um, there's there's a few out there who seem to be able to and say they can um i suspect there's there's probably windows of time where they are playing catch up um and that you can operate for four hours and and as i say you can't bank it but you can overdraw and recover so uh, four hours, you know, consistently, I suspect there's going to be a problem there, that they're not operating fully. Secondly, the, the, you, know, you, you do get people who have a, a real level of calmness all the time. Um, they're in control. Their cortisol levels uh, during the day, their stress hormones will be extremely low. Um, and they can get away with less sleep. Yeah? If we heartened in terms of cortisol during the day from politics and we take it to heart and we're very emotional people, you're going to have to get sleep to recover from that. You'll probably find that there, the Tim Ferriss and those guys, they got the, the emotional uh, emotional baseline is, is probably a lot a, a lot higher than ours and that they don't get emotional, they don't take things to heart and they actually wear that off and so the stress hormones in the body are less. They can sleep less and get away with it. But I still say it's getting away with it. Yeah, I think um, right there. And some some people's genes just, you know, there are some genes that just allow people to actually get away with it a lot better than others. Yeah. Um, personally, personally, I think that actually these people are just uh, uh, aren't fulfilling their potential, and I think that that actually is quite alarming. I mean, it's it, they're already doing incredibly, incredibly well. They're very successful, but actually, I think that. Um, if they were to to actually go ahead with the the bit more sleep, they'd probably unlock a bit more potential. Um, that that's my perspective. I don't know them obviously, but but that's how I kind of see it from an athletic point of view. Is I get a lot of people who come to me and they say like what you have, and they're sort of like, oh yeah, I can get away with five hours sleep, and I perform pretty well. And I'm like, well, have you actually ever tried seven or seven and a half hours and actually give it a good go? Not like go to bed and just lie there for two hours on your phone and call that seven hours um it's actually giving it a go and i think if you're consistent with it i think that actually i don't know anyone who's actually come back to that and said yeah you know what that the five hours was better i think that most people convert and they're like yeah you know what i wasn't getting enough sleep and hopefully anybody that's listening to this who is uh, in that camp where they're they're below that seven and a half hours you suggest paul is uh, it's going to give it a go and actually uh, maybe we'll we'll get some messages that say uh, thank you very much uh, as we often do i think the other side of it if you look at obama and ferris how much physical training are they doing Yes, yeah, it's a lot absolutely of agree. Uh, mental. Uh, so they're getting their REM sleep that focuses on the physical absorbing that. They don't have a lot of physical recovery to get through. If you, if you add so, 10 hours a week of, of, of training with some intensity in there, uh, you might find a different story altogether. They'll actually need that extra sleep to actually get to the, the physical recovery cycles, which come later. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So one last question before we move on. Let's talk about events because one of the biggest problems that we have with uh, the modern amateur, not so much obviously if you're a pro because they don't tend to put events on where you have to be up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, our, our modern sort of time trialist who might have to get up at four or you've got a, a sportive, grand fondo, uh, maybe you're just not somebody who can uh, who gets a bit nervous and, uh, and struggles to sleep the night before. Uh, what would your tips be for someone like that who is approaching an event and is almost certainly not going to get a great night's sleep? Is it just, you say you can't bank it, but is there something else they could do? Um, yeah, there's a couple of things. There's, there's one in the lead up to the event, maybe in the weekends before, try and get into that cycle. So make your training, when you're waking up for training, make it a similar time as you'd have to wake up for the event. So you get in the cycle. So you get a little bit used to that time of day. Secondly, when you get close to the event, two days out, that sleep is the most important. You've got to get a good quality sleep. As I said, you can't bank it, but try get your seven or or your normal sleep rate that night before, two days out. The actual night before the event is not as important as two days out. You can actually get away the, the, the night before by having less sleep. Your body will actually cope with that actually quite well. An actual fact, the heart and stress, depending on the type of event, it might actually help you a, a little bit. So don't worry about the night uh, before the race. Worry about the one, two or three days out, making sure you get good quality sleep. Um, what a lot of people do is they try, you know, they travel the day before. So two day, two two nights out, they're getting really bad sleep because they're either arriving late, flying in late, getting limited sleep, and they're trying to get on the night just before the event a good quality sleep. It actually doesn't work. It's it's, it's um it's well documented that that is the two days out uh, out is 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 the most important night for sleep, and then just confidence. You know, have your stuff in order. Um, for race day, so you don't have to uh, have your lists. Make sure your bike's okay, your kit's okay, your nutrition is all put away, all square, so you have nothing to do in the morning. You know what you're eating. You don't have to worry about it. And just have confidence that you're going to control the controllables. Any uncontrollables that happened, leave it for tomorrow. It does, really doesn't matter. Get the controllables in order so you can actually go to bed and say, it's done. Whatever happens tomorrow is another story, so you can actually get that quality sleep anyway. Absolutely, touched it. Uh, touched, hit the nail on the head there, Paul. Uh, control your controllables and uh, don't worry about anything that you can't control because it's, uh, like you say, uh, no point in worrying about something that you can't really influence. Um, okay, so let's talk relaxation. Um, again, this is going to be something that a lot of people are probably thinking, well, what does that look like? Is that just five minutes of quiet time? Is that a hot bath? Is that candles is is what is that i mean what's that what what does relaxation mean to you um relaxation comes down to okay i'm going to go for a little bit of a tangent again it's about hormones relaxation is getting the cortisol and the stress hormones out of your system it's is that's the prime importance so you want to relax so yeah your 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 parasympathetic system kicks in which enables recovery if you're hyped up, wired, uh, you've got fight or flight response, uh, you're concerned, and you're recovery isn't going, to happen, isn't going to happen. Your body's ready to react, respond. It's not going to wind down. So you really want to get in whatever it takes, whether it be you know a spa bath, Epsom salt, salts, candles, dark, whatever, that makes you calm. As uh, soon as that cortisol leaves the body, you're in a, in a um, 
in a calm state, parasympathetic system kicks in, your recovery can start. And that's the primary importance. I, I try and keep it as simple as that. We have all these tools around us, modern age tools um, and facilities and things like that to make that happen. The bottom line is if you're not calm, it doesn't happen. Absolutely agree with you there. And this is something which is probably a lot more accessible than sleep. So uh, I presume we're talking about maybe uh, implementing a, uh, especially for the highly strung, quite stressed person, we, we could implement a relaxation routine into somebody's day. Would you agree? Yeah, in terms of structuring your day, relaxation and stillness, you know, invoking stillness in the parasympathetic, it's got to be part of your, part of your plan. Uh, you've got to have periods in your day you can do that. There's, there's ways of doing that. There's music, there's, there's um, as I say, there's facilities, there's uh, mindfulness uh, applications out there. There's different ways. Everybody will respond to different things. But you've got to have it in your plan. Um, you've got to... You've got to know how to calm down, and uh, that's where the elites has a big advantage. You know, they train, and then afterwards they relax, and they can relax, and they focus on relaxation. So they might get a massage, they might yeah have a nap, but they'll find a space to actually be calm, let the recovery happen because they are calm. They're not wired all the time, more and more training, more and more you know exercise, skill work all day every day. Their advantage. That makes it different, them different from age grouper is the amount of and the quality of recovery they get versus the amount of training they do. And a lot of people, I don't think, get that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And just for the people who would like a little bit more clarification, maybe between us we can reel off uh, uh, some of the ways in which we would recommend uh, uh, that people relax. You said massage there. We said meditation earlier, uh, quiet time, maybe a nap. What else could we, we put in this category? Um, personally, it's, it's to, to, to me, it's, it's doing stuff that you enjoy and that makes you relax. Yeah, it even comes down to playing with the kids and the pets and the dogs. It's, it's something that's going to make you feel calm uh, and enjoyable. Hobbies it is getting out of the work mode. One of the things I've noticed with, with, with a lot of age groups that have ambitious goals, they're at work, they're you know, doing physical work, you know, earning their salary, et cetera. They set these these goals around, um, you know, whether it be qualifying for for a race or a particular time in a TT, um, or particular, and, and it becomes work. They set such a training structure that becomes work in itself. So they never get time to relax and calm. Um, and I think it's important in those gaps in between, find those things that actually calm you down, get some stillness and get some enjoyment in their life. Their mind de-stresses and has fun and is just enjoying life for periods of time. But, yeah, I know I'm not getting to the actual tools and physical structures like massage, et cetera, but I think the most important thing is the stillness, the getting rid of the cortisol. It's, it's uh, getting some fun uh, and relaxation. I love that. I think that that's perfect answer there, Paul. And I'm pretty certain that everybody listening is uh, considering ways in which they do that. And I, I think you've actually done something really good there. You, you mentioned hobbies, but and you also mentioned that sort of training and uh, uh, it, that you don't want it to become a chore. 
I think that anybody listening to this, if if your ears are pricking up and you're thinking, oh, my hobby and the way I relax is is actually uh, is training, you might want to consider there an alternative. And that's not to say that they're they're not compatible. That cycling, if you're a cyclist or swimming or whatever, can be your relaxation. But actually, I think that Paul, you you sort of mentioned there that sometimes, and it shouldn't, but sometimes the training can be the the thing that's uh, the causing a little bit of stress. So you don't want to try to to be stressed because you're you're cycling and then you you go to be go and ride your bike, do you? No, and you'll find in the in the training programs I go out, everybody has at least one or two sessions a week where it literally says just go for a ride and ride by feel and enjoy it, and go for a run and do it, you know kind of set a distance or a duration limit to it i said just go run to find a trail and run or find a road that you haven't been before or, or like riding and just go ride absolutely i mean and i enjoy love it that. Yeah, for for me, when I was listening to you, then I was just thinking about dogs. I, uh, I I I grew up with dogs, and I personally, I think if you want to relax, I think there's nothing more than than sitting with a dog or going for a walk with a dog or just being around that. And I mean, uh, family and children are the same, but I mean, the dogs are just uh, they're they're another another level, aren't they? In terms of like just how soppy they can be and uh, fun and relaxing. So that would be mine. Yeah. What what's yours? Uh... Man, it's got grandkids. Spend time with those is, is always good. Um, I really enjoy coaching. Um, I do a lot of pool deck coaching and uh, and open water swimming kind of coaching, but kind of mentoring as well. And I find that actually quite relaxing. Some people, it's not really work to me that the the physical coaching side of things, and it gives me a lot of fulfilment, and I just enjoy it. Probably the other one is open water swimming. I don't train when I open water swim. I literally go down and I just enjoy swimming in the ocean. Um, yeah, I'll do a couple of K at a time, but I find it really, really relaxing. I'll never actually have a push. This is coming up to race day or something like that. I'll do my hard training in the pool, um, but the ocean water swim is my relaxing piece. Excellent. Uh, so, Paul, let's just uh, summarize what we've talked to today. You have top five tips for our listeners. All right. Um, Number one, probably training. Train to the amount of recovery um, you can get. Uh, so training is not something we actually focus on first. We focus on recovery and train your volume and intensity is set to those recovery windows. If you can't recover from your training, yeah, cut it back. So train to, to that. Number two, warm down uh, people. Uh, I see so many people, you know, they do the sessions and hard, or they finish hard um, from, a, from a run or a, or a cycle. And then they've got lactic acid yeah, embedded in their muscles. They're still quite tense. And they've got a lot of the yeah, fight or flight response still in the system. If you warm down, it flushes all those waste materials out and your recovery can start really quickly. If you don't warm down, it stays in your muscles for hours and hours and your recovery will not start until your body has uh, removed the waste from the materials. So kick off recovery and get that cortisol and the fight or, fight or flight response out of your system just take that time to warm down that 15 minutes spin um, or that 15 minutes jog, uh, whichever it is. The, the next one is reduce stress. Find ways. Don't be wired. Try not to be wired all day. Get confident with yourself that you can actually relax. Play with the kids. Sit on the floor with the, your kids. Sit on the floor with their dogs. You find that it really does relax you. Find things to do that really calm you and, and have fun. You know, it gets rid of that quarter, that wired feeling, that that constantly seeking goals at work and and in training. 
uh, does get to us after a while. So if you really want to reduce stress. Number four uh, will be sleep quality. Yeah, get that growth mindset before you go to bed. Try de-stress and get rid, get rid of all yeah, the blue light, etc. so you can go to, to bed uh, and get some quality sleep. And the fifth is obviously sleep quantity. Target that seven and a half hours, find a way. If you're trying to um, fit things in, like more training, et cetera, never steal from sleep. This is the one fixed thing. Yeah, we don't want to move. Reduce your training before you start invading your sleep quantity. Um, it doesn't work. Yeah, adjust your training to that sleep quantity. So training, uh, warm down, recovery, sleep quality, and sleep quantity. Fantastic, fantastic. So, Paul, thank you very much for joining. And as uh, as you'll know, listeners will know, uh, regular listeners, uh, we love to challenge them. And uh, uh, as ever, they, they can go alone and they could do it solo or they can uh, jump on Facebook and come and join our Spokes Performance Training Advice Facebook group uh, and, and join in as a community, get some motivation from some like-minded individuals and really join in that camaraderie, building uh, building spirits and, uh, and everything and such. Um, so have you got a challenge uh, that you'd like to set everybody? Yeah, um, I, th- I think appropriate that that challenge is around sleep. This is where you know, 90% of a recovery happens and it's really, really important. And two things in there is one, one, make sleep a priority, 7.5 hours. Give it a go. If you're sleeping six hours, find a way. See if you can get up to 7.5 hours, even if you have to cut back a little bit in training or, or somewhere else. Give it a go, 7.5 hours sleep. Two, make sleep the beginning of your next 24 hours. So a bit of gratitude before you go to sleep, and then try go to sleep thinking about who you want to be the next day. Do that. See if you can do that for two weeks, yeah, 14 days on the trot. Try get into that cycle. Now, uh, some people, uh, for instance, would uh, most people have an alarm clock to wake them wake them up in the morning. Have an alarm clock that sends you to bed. Change it around uh, is the challenge. So I go to bed at 9:30 and it's pretty fixed. Uh, I wake up at uh, 10 past four and I always seem to wake up a minute before that alarm goes off and switch it off before it goes off. Then I know I'm getting quality sleep. See if you can do the same. That's incredibly funny that you say that because you know what, I, I, I got up at 3.45 this morning and uh, uh, I got ready to do my training and I've been really getting into that getting up and going out because uh, uh, for a start I like I like riding in the dark and uh, it's realistically that time of the morning is the only time when the roads around where we live, being that we're in Orange County, it, are quiet so I've really been enjoying that but it's even when I was doing seven summits recently and I was considerably tired every day, more and more tired and uh, still getting a good amount of sleep, if I set an alarm for four o'clock in the morning, I can almost guarantee I will wake up 10 minutes before my alarm is due to go off. It's so crazy. It's very rare that my alarm actually wakes me up. There's something going on with my body and my brain where I'm like, yeah, it's time to get up, look at the look at the alarm, turn it off so it doesn't wake the wife, and uh, and then go and get up. It's it's crazy. So yeah, I look forward to hearing what people like about this challenge. It's it's funny that you said you said earlier. What are the indications? And to me, you you can measure sleep. You can do all the metrics. There's a couple of indicators. That's the one. Do you actually wake up with the alarm? Or do you actually wake up before it goes off? Biggest sign to me, and I'm getting it wrong, is that the alarm goes off. Two days in a row, I know I need more sleep. 
Well, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and uh, really appreciate you giving up your time. And uh, again, we're very grateful to have you as a member of our expert coaching team on Spokes. And uh, uh, we look forward to having you back soon. Great. Thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure. Fantastic. And listeners, as ever, uh, thank you so much for listening. We're truly grateful for every single one of you to to spend the time to download and uh, and listen regularly. Uh, if you've liked this episode, uh, please do make sure you share it with your friends. Definitely leave us a little review depending on the platform you're on. And uh, definitely, definitely don't forget to subscribe because we're going to have even more epic content from uh, from great guests, from our spokes, uh, coaches, nutritionists and experts very very soon thank you everybody my name is pav brian i'm performance director and co-founder here at spokes and you have been listening to be spoked